So we do welcome you to Alger Assembly of God. Today is the conclusion of our study. It's our series entitled Relationship Goals. Uh, Valentine's Day, already a week or two passed, but throughout this month, uh, the month of Valentine's Day, we're looking at different relationships. Now, it's not all about marriage and relationships. Number one, we looked at the number one relationship, a relationship with God, and the goal was we challenged you to make sure you connect to God, have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Next, then we knew that there's a lot of other people simply besides you and God in this world. We looked at how do we live in harmony? How do we connect? How do we interact with everybody around us? Last week, we took a look at friends, and uh, the, the relationship goal was to be a friend. So today we conclude, and the relationship goal for today is to reach the lost. The lost. Now, there are a lot of people in here, if you talk about lost, who are directionally challenged. How, how many of you would say that's, that's you? Just raise your hand. You, okay. Some of you are pointing. Okay. We'll let it be noted. Directionally challenged. Uh, you need different kinds of things to help you get where you're going. And certainly over the years, over these last number of decades or so, uh, we've shifted from, how many of you had back in the day one of those ginormous Rand McNally maps? The atlases. I, I remember growing up as a kid and even into the 90s in, uh, in Bible college, that's what I had. Uh, the map was about this big. When you opened it up, it pretty much covered up your windshield. But it had maps of all 50 states and then kind of some close-up maps of uh, larger cities. Well, then certainly the advent of the internet, you could go online to MapQuest, MapBlast, all kinds of mapping websites, plug in where you are, plug in where you want to go, and they would give you step-by-step, turn-by-turn information on where to go. And so uh, you would print that out and take that with you. And then obviously, following that, GPS units, all kinds of things that you could take with you and put in your car, plug them in, and same type of thing, except it would give you turn by turn and give you a little bit of a visual representation of the map. Obviously, more in the recent past here, these last number of years, maybe the last decade or so, smartphones have become so predominant. Many, many people have a smartphone, and there's different apps uh, from Google Maps and, and the Apple uh, app of maps. And you simply use your phone, plug in where you want to go, and, and many individuals having kind of unlimited data. And so you just kind of uh, allow Siri or allow one of those other voices. Sometimes you can download voices to let you know where you're going. And we're not looking at being directionally challenged. We're not looking at being physically lost, as in, how do I get to this restaurant or how do I get to this stadium? We're talking about being spiritually lost. People who are spiritually lost are without Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. He's not come, and they've not allowed them into, uh, him into their lives to cleanse, to forgive, and to have that brand new start with their sins forgiven. So how do we reach people who are lost and without Jesus Christ? Now, that's a topic you and I know that we need to do. But we often are challenged in the doing. Why? Well, many times people say, well, I'm not sure I know how to. What do I do? What do I say? Or maybe we get a little bit nervous or scared. What if they reject me? What if they say something mean to me? What if, what if we put all of these things in our hearts? 
Or sometimes, uh, maybe we're just not as concerned as perhaps we ought to be. Because here's the thing, we can get so wrapped up in the fact that I've got a relationship with God, I'm good. I've got a relationship with God, I'm on my way to heaven. And we leave it at that. And perhaps don't stop to think about or to share the good news with other individuals. So today we're going to be looking at how do you do that. I'm going to share with you four simple action steps. I say simple. It's simple as in simple to understand. As we share, and I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8. We're going to be looking specifically at Philip and what God has done through him. So these are some simple action steps for you and I to do, but it doesn't always make them easy. It doesn't always make it a piece of cake to put into practice. So hopefully to to try to help us kind of get it into our minds, get it into our hearts, I'm going to give you four basic action verbs. Now the, the steps are a little bit longer. Go, follow, care, and share. Those are the, the four steps we're going to be looking at. So that's, that's kind of the, the mindset, the outline, if you would, of where we're heading today. How do you reach the lost? Go, follow, care, and share. So let's start with that first concept of go. And the action step is very simple. Go where people are. If we want to reach people, It's no surprise we've got to connect with and go where people are. Now, side note, there are a lot of different uh, means and opportunities of reaching people for Christ, certainly through radio, television, internet, social media, ways that you can kind of do that without personal connection. And yet the Great Commission is to go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And so we are to go where people are. All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 5. We're looking at Philip. It says that Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. He was speaking about and preaching about Jesus and the good news that comes from Jesus Christ. Now, a great portion of the verses in the middle of this chapter are going to relay some other things about Philip and other disciples and their ministry, but we're going to drop down a little further to verse 26 and pick up a little bit more about Philip. It says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go. That's the action. The angel said, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Listen, God is concerned about people. God has a heart for people. Whether it's many or few, God has a desire for people. Now, in the Old Testament, Gaza was the capital of Philistia, the home of Israel's enemy. If you remember reading through some of the word of God, the Philistines. That's where this area was. Now, this would be about a 48 to 50-mile journey from where Philip was. He needed to go through some steep mountain passes and hill country. And God did not necessarily give him the whole details. He simply said, go. How many of you, when, when God nudges or God speaks to you, you like a whole lot of detail? 
right? Sometimes when it comes to the, the details, we say, God, give me some more information before I take that step of faith. And God simply said, go, and he told him where. He didn't tell him what. He didn't tell him who yet. But the thing is, God is concerned about people. He went down. He was preaching to a city in Samaria. Why? Because God was concerned about people and how God's guiding and directing him to a specific place to reach a specific person, as we're about to see. So many or few, God is concerned about people. God didn't say that the world was to come to us. He said we are to go to the world. Again, that great commission Matthew 28, 19, Mark 16, 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The encouragement, the challenge, that action step is to go. Go where people are, even in some difficult times. Even when things aren't so rosy for you. Many times, we, we want everything to be perfect before we share about Christ. I mean, let me just kind of get some things settled in my family, in my household. Let's kind of let things smooth over in my job or my workplace. Let me help some of these relationships to get kind of on an even keel. And then maybe then, then maybe I'll start sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Sometimes we want everything to be perfect. How many of you have ever had just a lifetime of perfect? I'm getting smiles and chuckles, and that's not me, right? So the, the encouragement is, even in difficult times, now we're in Acts chapter 8, just back up a little bit to verse 1. Let's rewind. It says that Saul approved of their killing him. And they're like, wait, I, th I thought we were talking about Philip. We'll get back to Philip in a moment. This is kind of the tail end of the Stephen story. And you can find that maybe this afternoon. Look at Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7. Stephen's one of the, uh, the disciples, the apostles. They were selecting to help take care of people. So he was selected in chapter 6. He began to teach and preach in chapter 7. And they got mad. They arrested him. And they stoned him to death. He was a martyr for his Christian faith. And so at the end of chapter 7, we see this verse where it says that they were laying, the people who were doing the stoning, laid their cloaks or, or their clothes at the feet of a man named Saul. And that's the one here in verse 1 that he approved of what they were doing. Side note, for another day, Saul would eventually become Paul. God did an incredible work in his heart on the road to Damascus changed, transformed his life. Saul became Paul instead of preaching against Christ, instead of trying to imprison Christians, he began preaching about Christ. So all of that is just in the first half of verse 1, but check out the end of verse 1. It says, on that day, after this, uh, this stoning of Stephen, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Hmm. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Boy, if there was only a verse that maybe had those exact locations. Oh, I know. 
Back up to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is a, it's certainly a, a scripture verse that as an Assemblies of God in a Pentecostal church, the power of the Holy Spirit, it says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. And he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus was giving some instructions. You're going to be a witness. You are going to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, because of a great persecution, because things were tough, because they were difficult, because they were rising against the Christians... Everybody except the apostles were scattered, and now they're all over the place. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And in verse 4 it says, The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They weren't waiting for perfect times. They weren't waiting for everything to be easy. Even in the midst of being persecuted, even in the midst of being scattered, they were going. They were trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, you and I are to go where people are, even in the midst of some difficult or challenging times, and we're to love people because God loves people. John three sixteen. Probably the most well-known verse of Scripture. Most of you are familiar with it. Many of you would have it memorized. It says, for God so loved the He loved the world. God's heart is for the world. You and I are a part of that world. God's got a heart, and he said, I want you to go. I want you to go where people are. Now, we, we generally, we think that we do a really good job of loving everybody. Most of us would say we are awesome at connecting and loving. And yet sometimes, if truth were told, we might struggle reaching out to or connecting to people who are not exactly like us. Because it might be a little bit more comfortable to find someone who looks like or sounds like or is in the same geographical area as you. But sometimes it's a little more challenging. What if they're a little younger than me? What if they're a little older than me? What if they've got a different background? What if they've got a different this or a different that? There's no restrictions or conditions on who we are to go and see. God loves everyone. I want you to do something for me. Everybody, I want you to picture in your mind the individual, uh, I would almost say enemy, but hopefully we don't have enemies, but I want you to picture in mind the individual who drives you crazy. I mean, some of you, it was in your head in a millisecond, right? It's that person at school, it's that coworker, it's that neighbor, it's a, someone you just can't stand. When they show up, you roll your eyes, you whatever. You want to know something? God loves them like crazy. Just like God loves you like crazy. So the encouragement and the challenge here, you and I are to go. 
Because God loves this world. And so the instructions here to Philip, he went to a city in Samaria, and then God directed him. He went to a specific place, and we're about to see him see a specific person. Why? Because God loves all people, whether there's many or whether there's few. The first thing, first action for you and I, if we're wanting to reach the lost, we've got to go where lost people are. Now, certainly when it comes to this world, there are, there are so many people who don't know Jesus Christ. Odds are really good you're going to encounter somebody in your school, in your job, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. But we're to go where lost people are. Secondly, follow. You and I are to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, verse 26 and following. Again, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go. Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. If we are to reach lost people, we've got to be where they are, go where they are, but then we've got to follow the leading of the Lord, follow the spirit's leading. You and I are to be sensitive to his voice. Now, we talk about his voice or we talk about God leading. It's probably more of a nudge, probably maybe more of guiding us in his word and his prayer as opposed to audible, although God still does speak audibly. But chances are there's more opportunities where God speaks to you as you read the Bible. God speaks and kind of nudges you as you pray. As you're out and about, the Holy Spirit kind of prompts, and, and there's this person or there's this friend, somebody that you know, somebody that you don't know, and you have this nudge or this sense that God's saying, go say hi, go give a smile, pay for their meal, go talk about the Lord. I mentioned that in this world there are so many people without Christ. Uh, the Barner Report would say over half of the United States do not have a personal relationship with God. I think we would... We would agree it, that might be low. I mean, who knows how much over 50%. But chances are really good. If you go find somebody in your school, if you go talk to somebody in your workplace or in your community, you've got 50-50 chance or better that you're going to find someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's be sensitive to the voice of God. As we go where people are, God's going to nudge. God's going to speak. Let's be sensitive and know that God's going to direct. God directed him to the city in Samaria, and God's directing him now to this one individual. Again, many or few, God has a heart for people. And understand that you are where God's placed you for a reason. Here's, here's Philip. He is ministering to a city in Samaria. God's doing some great things. He's proclaiming about Jesus. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, I want you to go to this road a whole bunch of miles away. And he finds out he meets one guy 
one guy in a desert road. Perhaps Philip saying, why can't, I, why can't I stay in this city? I mean, there's a whole lot more people over here. And God says, I've got a heart for this person. Would you go and meet him? You're going you're gonna to go to that chariot and stay by it. God is directing. Many or few, God's got a heart for lost people. We can see Philip obeyed. Philip went. He went to the city. And he went to the desert road, and God has prepared him. It says, along the way, he met the Ethiopian eunuch. This is probably the one that would represent the ends of the earth. We already talked about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Here's the eunuch from Ethiopia, no doubt from the ends of the earth, a very important civil servant. Philip, by comparison, was kind of just the average guy. Be like connecting with somebody in, in the government. But there's lost people everywhere. There's lost people in homes. There's lost people at school. There are lost people in the jobs, lost people in our areas and communities. Let's follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and know that God's going to guide and direct us. Now, no doubt in our life, maybe you can look back and, and maybe, maybe you remember there's been some times when you kind of sensed a little bit of a tug, a, kind of an internal tug of war where God was nudging you to speak to somebody or encourage somebody or go up to somebody and share the good news of Jesus. And maybe you kind of dismissed it. Maybe we've all, at some point in time, said no to that nudge of the Lord. I want to encourage us to be obedient and to follow God's leading. Because here's, here's what we don't always understand. When God leads us and when God guides us, many times God's already been at work. Here was the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and the next number of verses as we get to, we're seeing he's already reading from the prophets. He's reading from the word of God. And so he's already open to some of the things about God. Sometimes what happens is, you know, God nudges us about this person or about that person, and we kind of resist saying, I'm not sure, what would they say? Who knows, but that that person's already had something kind of laid upon their heart, or God was using some other people to speak or to encourage, and they were ready for what God was going to have you to speak and to proclaim. Sometimes we've, we've said, no, understand God's often already at work. This, this eunuch had gone from his place all the way to Jerusalem and is now heading back home. He's, he's made a journey of about 200 miles. Philip is journeying right, at, right about 50 miles. It sounds like one of those, uh, those math problems from high school. You know, if person A leaves point A at 5 miles an hour and a train leaves point B at 10 miles an hour, what do they have for breakfast? I mean, it, you know, they throw you for the loop. Here's the Ethiopian eunuch traveling 200 miles, Philip traveling about 50, and at just the right time, they meet on the desert road. Coincidence? Or divine appointment by the hand of God. 
God was preparing this because he was already at work. If Philip had not obeyed, if Philip had not taken that step and launched out to say, yes, God, I'll go, I don't know where and I don't know to who, he would not have come across this man. We've got to follow the Spirit's leading. Be, be alert, be looking out for some of the uh, signals, God-given signals. Now, we're about to see he's reading the Word of God. It would be awesome if the signal was as loud as a classmate or a coworker who runs up to you, falls on their knees, and says, Please tell me about Jesus! That would be a pretty clear indication that's a good opportunity to talk to that person. Now, maybe you've had an opportunity like that. And now and then, there are some pretty clear, you know, someone comes up to you and asks. But there's a whole lot of instances where maybe as you just kind of see and observe the people that are around you, be alert for how God might want to connect you to that person and speak into that person's life. Things like marriage or kids or classes or work or problems of life comes up and the conversation shifts and the door is open and God's nudging you to walk through. See, it's not just going where the people are. It's following the Spirit's leading when we get there. What one person, what two people, what handful of people might you and I get closer to and connect with this week. The encouragement is this. We won't hear unless we are near. Go where the people are. Follow the Spirit's leading. Third, show. Show them that you care. Acts chapter 8, verse 30, it says, Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He's reading from the Word of God. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. Verse 32, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Show them that you care. Do you and I truly care about the people who are around us who don't know Jesus? Or is the idea, well, I'm saved and you figure it out for yourself? Philip here had a heart. God was sending him. Philip was going. He was following the, the leading of the Spirit. But as he, he comes up to this individual and he comes up to the chariot, he shows them he cares. He begins to interact and to dialogue with them. It's, it's one thing to know about God. It's another to reach out with God. It's one thing to know we are to, to go. It's one thing to know the Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's one thing to know, yes, missionaries fulfill a part of that, but you and I as well are to go. It's one thing to know. It's the other thing to put it into practice and show it. We're to show that we care 
by demonstrating a genuine interest in the individual. He took time to relate to him as a person and not just as a convert to say, okay, I want to hurry up, have you pray the prayer, and I'm going to leave. He was interested in him as a person. He's asking questions. Now, he's asking about the Word of God because that's what he was reading. But you and I, there's a lot of different things that we can connect with, whether that's career or family or hobbies or interests. But let's not just stop there. Let's allow the Lord to kind of challenge us and nudge us and bring us beyond the normal chit-chat. Anyone can talk about the weather. And in Ohio, you can talk about it any day of the week, any day of the year, because it always changes. I mean, we've had brutal, freezing, cold temperatures, and then this week, I think we're, we're going to get close to 60. All, you know, always talk about something with the weather. But the weather does not have the good news that can change our life. It can change the impact of a day or two. So let's go beyond the weather. Let's go beyond sports. Let's go beyond technology. Let's, let's go beyond some of these superficial things and, and talk about life or hopes and dreams and struggles and needs. The need for Christ. Individuals need to know that we care before they care what we have to say. The famous John Maxwell quote, I believe, is the one who coined it. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's not just about rushing out, tossing some Bible information and knowledge, seeing what happens and moving on, but is there a genuine caring interest in these individuals? And we can show that we care by being gentle, and patient. I want to give the individual the opportunity to, to think through and allow God to work on their hearts. Now, I know if you've got a family member or you've got a friend or you've got a close uh, individual in school or in the job or in the community or as a neighbor, you and I would love that we could just flip the on-off switch to on. Turn them on towards Jesus Christ to surrender their heart. Just, just flip the switch like you and I do a light switch. Wouldn't that be great? We just go around and, and kind of be ready for lost people, and oh, let me, let me just flip that switch. How many of you know it doesn't quite work like that? There are times that maybe you have been open, and you have been sharing, and you've been preaching, and you've been living your life, and sometimes people have a hard heart in response. Let's be patient. Care about them. There's not some expiration date that says, hey, I'm going to give you a day, I'm going to give you two days, I'm going to give you a week, and then forget about you. Show them you care by being patient. God's the one that's in charge. He's the one that can change a heart. He, he's the one that's able to, to take their heart from being against him to surrendering to him. That's not our job. God's job is to do the work in the heart. Our job is simply to go, follow the Spirit's leading, care for them, and give some opportunity to hear about and to respond to the message of Jesus Christ. So we do that as we go where people are, follow the Spirit's leading, and show that we care. Finally, as we conclude this particular passage about Philip, we are to share. 
share the good news. Verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Side note, he's hearing about, understanding about, he's asking to be baptized, that, that step that would follow salvation in Christ. And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Philip was sharing the good news, and he started where the man was. You and I need to begin where they are. If you are a Christian, you've probably been a Christian for some weeks, months, years, looking around, no doubt decades. Day after day and a week after week, I continue to get the realization how old I'm getting. You start thinking about the fact I'm born in the 70s, elementary and middle school in the 80s, high school in the late 90s, early 90s, college in 90s. I've been in ministry full-time preaching and as a, a youth pastor or a senior pastor for over a quarter of a century. And that sounds like a lot. It sounds old. Listen, I was six when I gave my life to Jesus as a little boy. It was February 1981. That means for over four decades, I've been seeking after and following after Jesus as a Christian. I've got a whole lot of Sunday school lessons in me. Can I get an amen? Some of you as well. I've got a lot of kids' church lessons in me and boys' ministry lessons in me and youth ministry services in me. And I went to four years of Bible college and had years of professors teaching the Word of God with chapel services every single day in me. And 25, now 26 years worth of full-time ministry in me. For me to talk to somebody and assume that they're exactly where I am in my walk with God would be foolish. Whether you've served God for a handful of months or for a whole bunch of decades, start where they are. He started with what he was reading. He began to explain it to him, and he pointed the man to Jesus. How many of you, uh, you know, maybe you've been to the doctor, you've had a, a visit, and the, the doctor says, well, here's the, here's the prognosis, and he, he rattles off this 20-syllable long word. And you kind of raise your hand, you're like, hold on, doc, break that down for me. What, what's the phrase? Put it in layman's terms. In other words, if I don't have... Medical school knowledge help me understand what's going on in my body, right? Or maybe you took your car to the mechanic, and the mechanic starts talking about this piece and this piece and that patient, and you raise your hand, you're like, hold on here. Help me understand what you mean. 
because none of those parts make sense. You catch my drift. And so whether it's mechanics talking about a car, whether it's uh, you know, the physical need talking with the doctor, whether it's technology, we try to break things down to understand it. Same thing when it comes to connecting with somebody about Christ. Let's, let's try to start where they are. Now, I came across this uh, uh, teaching. It was a conversational evangelism tool to kind of start where somebody is, and they called it FIRE, F-I-R-E, F, family and friends. When we talk to somebody, that's a great first thing to talk about. I mean, who doesn't love to talk about their family and friends? In fact, they'll probably pull out their cell phone and show you pictures, whether it's the two-legged family or the four-legged family. They'll, they'll show you some pictures, right? So the F, family and friends, I would be interests, hobbies, things that they enjoy. R then would be religious background. The more you kind of connect with somebody, then talk about, hey, have you been to church? What's, what's your background like? And kind of get a little sense of where they are. And then E is evangelism. It's sharing the good news. It's starting from where they are, understanding a little bit of what they know. Many people maybe have gone to church a handful of times. Or they went to church quite a bit, but that's been a number of years ago. Try to get a sense of where they are. Start where they are as you share about Jesus. Some would also talk about the use of questions as being positive. Things like this. Where would you say you are on your spiritual journey? Now, that question's a little open-ended. It mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but it gets them talking about some spiritual things, some godly things, and then you kind of sense, okay, where are they? Be open to follow the Spirit's leading. Start where they are and share about Jesus. So as you start where they are, then you can lead them to where they might need to be. Philip met him at the point of need. He's reading. He's not understanding. He has questions, and he's helping him understand, and he's taking him back, and he's pointing out all of this is about Jesus. When you and I talk to somebody for the very first time, we can't cram an entire Bible worth of knowledge in a couple minutes and expect that they just understand everything. Start where they are, lead them where they need to be. So begin to connect with them or spend some time with them, go through the Bible with them, go through some tools with them, Invite them to a church. Invite them to a Bible study, outreach event. Lots of different opportunities. But this is more than just, hey, show up on Sunday and ask for Pastor Mark. This is more than, hey, I got Pastor Mark's cell phone number. Call him. You and I are to go. You and I are to follow the Spirit's leading. You and I are to care and we're to share. Now, as we share... Let me encourage us to watch our language. That might not mean what you think it means. Yes, hopefully, we have pure, clean language. But as we talk and as we share, be careful about the kinds of things that you share. Try to make it understandable to them. Again, if you've been in the church, if, if you've read through the Bible multiple times and you've had a lot of biblical training, you know a lot about God and his word, and they might not. So start where they are and, and watch our language. It, specifically, 
the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah chapter 53. If you've read the Word of God, if you've read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53 is a powerful chapter, and it's all about prophesying about the Messiah who is to come, and that's Jesus. In fact, it is probably the premier passage in all of God's Word that describes the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. But that's probably not what you lead with. Substitutionary atonement. Jesus was the substitution. He died in our place. Atonement. He paid the price with his blood. But there's a a lot of terms, a lot of sometimes big churchy words that maybe we know. Maybe we've heard throughout the, the Word of God. Maybe we've heard throughout our time in church. But as you're talking with somebody, get a sense of where they are. In some cases, we might have to break it down to a simple form to say, here's what God did. He loved you so much. He sent Jesus. He paid the price. You and I have sinned. We've messed up. That's what the Bible says. And there's a penalty for it. But Jesus Christ died upon the cross in your place and in my place. So when we watch our language, we say, let's keep it simple. Start where they are. Let's keep it about Jesus. That phrase, it says, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus. That, that phrase, opened his mouth, it's, it's used as kind of the idea of taking a cover off of a box of treasure. He opened his mouth. It's almost like he's taking the cover off the treasure of Jesus. He is sharing about the treasure of who Jesus is. You and I have that awesome opportunity as we share with those who don't know Jesus. The man believed. He desired to become baptized. That's a step of obedience following salvation. So we prepare to close. I want to share one scripture and one television commercial. Hmm. Yeah. The scripture we've read, I want you to back up Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It reminds us this. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Wherever they went. If they went over here, they preached Jesus. If they went over here, they preached Jesus. They were scattered everywhere, but wherever they went, they preached Jesus. Where have you gone? Where have I gone? Where are we going? Where are you going today? Where are you going throughout the next week? What's your week look like? This says they preached the good news wherever they went. So that's the scripture. Now, television commercial. Not too long ago was the Super Bowl, and Super Bowl commercials are six, seven million. My favorite was actually one from a number of months before the Super Bowl. I am a sports fan. And so this features a couple of NFL players. One's a current NFL quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. One is a former defensive player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Troy Polamalu. Both of them have a unique and full head of hair, and so this is a head and shoulders commercial. The head of hair is not the focus. Take a look. Let's see what you think. Uh-huh. 
Oh, I might have technical difficulties. If it pops up, we'll stop. The commercial's one you might have seen. Patrick Mahomes, the young quarterback, is in the store. He sees Troy Polamalu, and he says, Oh, I didn't know you were working here. And he utters the phrase, Never not working. And obviously, they're pointing to head and shoulders, and I think they call it scalp shield technology, and how it, it's never not working when it comes to your hair. And he says, wow. And he goes to the dentist's office, and there's Troy Polamalu. Never not working, he says. Goes to the golf course, about to take a swing, and he hears him giving lessons. He looks over, and he mouths the words, never not working. Place after place after place after place, and always with the phrase, never not working. What sticks in my head, and, and not so much in my scalp, is that thought or concept. Never not working. When it comes to reaching the lost for Jesus Christ, hopefully we are never not going where people are. Never not following the Spirit's leading. Never not caring for people. And never not sharing about the good news. In other words, Acts 8 verse 4, they were preaching the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Never not working. <laughs>